The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 348. I am one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Daddy's come home, Greg. Daddy has come home, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us for the first time <laughs> since episode 107, 2009. That's a long time. Founding father of Podcast Beyond, Jeremy Dunham. Hey, sons. Hey, how are how you, Dad? Are you? It's good to I'm, see you. I'm very glad to be back. I'm, we're thrilled to have you. Put the mic up there. Right, I'm going to put, put it right back here. Back time you were here, we had headsets. You, can, right. you twist there this thing go. nowadays, you can move it up, you can move it down, oh, you do whatever you want. technology. I tell you what, we never had this back in 2009. <laughs> <No>. Back <laughs> in 2007, us and Clements in here, we didn't know what we were doing. Back in 2009, we used to have a room that was got so hot so quickly, we used to have that fan off into the side. Yep. And whenever you turned it on, it sounded like we were in an airport. <laughs> I yeah, do yeah. not... I do not, uh, let's say, shall we say, miss that fan. No, no, not at all. I miss Solius. Remember when they put Solius the robot in there? Oh, the, yeah. You know, the crinkle arms? <laughs> God, go. rest in peace, Solius. He was the best, Colin, because he was an air conditioning unit. You yeah, he looked, like, he looked like one of Uncle Owen's uh, yeah. broke-ass droids yeah, yeah, that he yeah. bought from the Jawas. But then Scott Brownlee hollowed him out for a shoot <laughs> and then hid it from Pablo forever. And then when we moved, Pablo's like, what is this? <laughs> this plastic shell doesn't even do anything. Threw it away. <laughs> that was the end of Solius. <laughs> Jeremy. Greg, you've been gone so long. I have. We've missed you. Thank you. I've missed you guys too. It's mm. been, uh, it's been both uh, bittersweet and uh, awesome to be gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Where do you want to start? You. I mean, I don't know. You. You left. I you, did. You, I left to go to Zipper Interactive. Right. I remember those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. Yeah. It was all my fault, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, they were a great company, though. Mm-hmm. They. Uh, I'm sure the the PlayStation fans remember them very well for the SOCOM series. Yeah. And you wrote Unit 13. I did. I wrote Unit 13. I was. That I was that my game. first. I think. Yeah. That was my first design gig. Yeah. Um, and. For, so for me, it was an awesome opportunity. I got to do military g- uh, lingo, and I got to uh, work with voice actors, and <laughs> including Chris Summer, who did one of the voices for. So for me, I, whatever a lot of people are like Cree, who's Chris Summer. She was on a different world. Do you remember that? No, that show? <laughs> shoot. <laughs> she, she was on that shoot, and I wrote a part specifically for her because I was a fan of Chris Wait, Summer. Who was she on a different world? Though? Um, it doesn't matter. Okay. She was. She was, on she it. was the friend. She was the best friend. She was like the peppy. Was she friend. the one who was like all super into the, curly hair? Was she the one who was like always one of the expensive things? No, no, that you're silly. That that was Jasmine Guy. Sorry, I'm shows sorry. You how I, old, shows you how old I am. I remember <laughs> a different world, but I was not up yet to be able she, to recognize she was like actresses. The, she was like the peppy friend with the, the smoky voice. 
Oh, and so okay. I always thought her voice was cool. And me at the time, I think I was like nine or ten. Um, smoky voices on chicks really got me. Yeah, of so course. <laughs> I always remembered that. And then when I went back to uh, to ma- to make that game, I was like, you know, who has a great voice? It's her. Funny, interesting, especially how much you guys have worked with her. Um, I wasn't sure we were going to get her at first, and so the other person that we that we were going to approach to the voice was Aisha Tyler. Oh, nice! <laughs> but uh, but she was busy too, so and luckily it all worked out. But. Yeah. Shows shows you where I was, uh, what uh, who I was digging when I was a kid. Yeah, I like that. I like I like yeah. where your head was at for that. Yeah. Different World was a good show, underrated. I liked it. Go. Good good spin off of the Cosby Show. <laughs> oh yeah, it absolutely. Was. And then Denise left after one season, yep, but they kept right. going. They were like, "We're not giving up." No, Jasmine on the Hillman clan. Marissa Tomei was on that show too. That's right, she was. Mm-hmm. Gosh darn it, that's a good one. All right, so you go to Zipper. I go to Zipper. Everything happens. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was that was. We were working on a bunch of games, and then one day. <laughs> Uh, one day, our uh, our VP just goes, "Hey, everybody! You know this game we're working on? Um, let's stop working on that." And we're like, "Why?" Yeah. Like, oh, we'll let you know soon. And that was about uh, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> For two weeks, everyone's like, "Why aren't we working on this game?" Uh, the writing was on the wall. We pretty much knew what was going yeah. to happen, and then uh, unfortunately, we were closed, <clears throat> which is too bad too because we were working on uh, on. Really cool projects, including a, we were going to work on a, a PS4 game. So there you oh. go. There's, there's some news. Yeah, we were going to work Scoops. on a PS4 game, but uh, but never left the uh, never lost the concept stage. It was gotcha. always still we're still figuring it out. But now it's never to be. Right. Yeah, that's too bad. I like Zipper a lot. I think that, in my opinion, we've talked about this in the past, but I feel like Zipper was kind of uh, victimized by the PSN outage with the SOCOM game that came yep. out, and then they never really got a chance to like redeem themselves. That was a kind of an act of God, an act of digital God. You yeah. know, like like your SOCOM is in contingent on being online. It comes out like I think that week, Tuesday or whatever. Then Thursday, the network goes down or something heinous like that. And it's like yes. you can't play it. it that's I, I agree with that completely. What that's exactly what happened. SOCOM came out on a Tuesday, and then the internet outage happened a few hours after that. And then once that was gone, <clears throat> it was five weeks I think it was before as PSN was down, and most of our players were online at that point forward. Uh, we just by the time that came out again. Or the, the the PSN came back. There were other games, and people had moved on, and so yeah. much time passed. Yeah, <laughs> PSN yeah, it was an lasted forever. forever. It really did. Well, you know how it works. In, in video games, when they're released, people play them for a couple of weeks, or the hot game of the time, or even not. Sometimes they're not the hot game. They're one of the games that happen to come out that week, and then other games come out in your memory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that happens all the time. So, especially now when there's so many options to pick on any platform. Anytime you want, the competition's bigger and, and, and tougher. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can kill you fast. Just ask Zipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was, I, I was bummed by that because I actually really liked Unit 13, too. I thought it was – I thought it under, what I said, it, it's still one of the games that understood Vita the best. And I think it's sure, still – Short burst of action. Yeah, because it's not only like – it has the, the, the flair of, a, of a, a console game, but you can play in short bursts, and it makes sense in short bursts. Because you can just shut your Vita off whenever you want in the middle of a yep. mission if you want, but still those five, ten-minute missions, 15-minute missions, get through the map. On the bus, or whatever. I thought that game made a lot of sense. So, what uh, what I really liked working about on that game specifically was is that we built it from concept to finished product in nine months. That's all. That's all we had, um, and we did it with uh, without an SDK for most of the development process. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of guesswork because the at the time the Vita was coming in hot, so there was still a lot of stuff that we didn't know about the system yet. So it was all approximations, and they didn't have the the multiplayer stuff ready to go. So a lot of the multiplayer stuff that you saw at the end. 
was just a lot of really late nights with the team working those last couple of months. And we were really proud. That's that's part of <clears throat> the great tragedy of, of Zipper for us is we as a team had really come together and we were really happy and excited about how well Unit 13 turned out on the amount of time that we had. And we thought that it was uh, – we thought it was a forecast of, okay, we're back. We're going to go back to the glory days of SOCOM 2, SOCOM 1, and uh, really show people uh, that we can make great games. Uh, and we just didn't didn't work out for us. It's unfortunate. It still upsets me. It still upsets me. But Yeah, there were a few casualties that year. Big Big went down, too, and and, yeah. um, and Liverpool, which I think surprised, was probably the, maybe the biggest surprise of them all. Um, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, well, so what? What? Where'd you go next? After that, you went to another company. Uh, to Euphoria Games. Uh, Euphoria Games is a startup from on from X Call of Duty and X Sony Online folks, and those Sony Online guys uh, were up there in Seattle too. They worked on stuff like Agency DC Universe. Is that where they were working Agency. on before? Yeah. Um, and that was uh, on a free to play game. You guys all came out to the event that we had for it a few years ago. It's called uh, Offensive Combat. Right. Um, banana suits. Yeah, <laughs> guys, banana suits. <laughs> the old banana suit game. Right. And it was, it was free to play. And that game, um, I think, had a lot of really good ideas, but uh, it's free-to-play is a very hard market to get into. And I think, in, in retrospect, now that I've had some time that we've that company is closed down to, I guess uh, you can call me the closer, if I, because I'm going to come in and I'm going to end your company. Oh, no. Um, Why do we invite <laughs> so, the door? Thank, thank you, Psionics. Uh, it's been a pleasure working f- with, uh, with them, and I'll see you shortly. Um, uh, but no, the, and uh, I think in retrospect, the competition is just, too rough, and, and it's really hard to, to get into the free-to-play market with a shooter when there's so many other options out there sure. uh, and compete with a small team and, and kick butt and make money. Free-to-play is a very hard market to make money in, especially as, uh, as free-to-play goes on and more and more folks expect free. It's harder to char- uh, find things that you can charge for legitimately, and there's also that balance of pay-to-win versus um, just paying the bills. So it's it's... That was, I think, that that game taught me a lot of uh, what works and what doesn't work in the free-to-play market. Okay. And so now... Now. You're down in San Diego. I am. Psionics. Psionics. Now, this is some kind of mental implant That's right. business. <laughs> um, it's the sequel to PsyOps. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> uh, sure, it's <laughs> my old games. Uh, no, Psionics is a great company. I I haven't felt this way about a company since I worked with you guys uh, in back in the dark ages. This company knows what they're doing. These guys are very smart. Uh, they make the right decisions. Everyone is involved in the creation of a game. It's not like three or four people in a corner saying, this is what we're going to do. Everyone deal with it. We talk as a company about the things we want to do. It's, it's fantastic. And uh, you guys might know them from uh, Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle, <laughs> Battle Cars, which came out on... I like how you almost got through <coughs> without a laugh. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, it's a long title. Um, uh, on the PS3, and that came out in 2008. And uh, they've also done uh, Nosgoth right now, which we had at E3, and uh, that's from Square Enix's publishing. That's a vampire versus human uh, shooter. Well, not really a shooter. It's kind of like a shooter, but it's more like a melee versus range. So there's some shooting elements. Gotcha. But, um, and that's what we're working on now. And uh, there's another game that we have in closed alpha right now called Rocket League, and it's the sequel to supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars. You sh- you lost a lot of words in this sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cuz it's easier to remember. That's sure. re- that's why. That's yeah, right. No, no, no. It's a lot easier. I Can you repeat the game the first game that I just gave you? No. Right. Supersonic ro- acrobatic rocket powered racers. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of words in there that's that right. were in the real title. <laughs> but, uh, but Rocket League is a lot easier to remember. Yeah. And, and but it's uh, essentially a follow up to that. It's we've 
the it's six years later, and we've instilled a lot of the changes that the community wanted. We've added a whole bunch of features to the game. It's in closed alpha now. And one of the reasons I'm here to talk to you guys is that we at the team, uh, the game started at PlayStation 3, and we really wanted to gauge everyone's interest, especially on Beyond, which has such a huge audience. If you guys would want to see that sequel, Rocket League, on PS4. Oh. And so if if you do, we want everyone to let us know either in the comments section or however however you What's guys your want Twitter? to let Twitter? Have them tweet it. Have them tweet it. Yeah. And, and they so say hashtag Beyond. At, yes. Hashtag Beyond. There's at Psionic Studios. There you go. Is our Twitter. There's also um, or on Facebook also under Psionics. Um, and there's also a Rocket League Facebook page as well. Okay. If you want to see it on PlayStation 4, let us know. And if we get enough people, and there's no magic number, we'll look at it and we'll say, oh wow, that's a lot of people. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Give, what's the pit, what's the elevator pitch PS4. for Rocket League? It if is has no idea what. So it, if, if they never supersonic acrobatic aquadugarakers, <laughs> <laughs> if you've never played, if you've never played Ro- uh, Rocket League before or uh, Battle Cars before, it's basically soccer is what we call it internally. It's soccer meets cars. It's a oh, sports okay. game. It's not a racing game. It's uh, basically because there are a lot of huge soccer fans in the office right now, and we're all going crazy for the World Cup. I was super excited to watch the the Mexico Brazil game last week. And, um, we've we've seen I don't know how many games in bars in the local scene now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're getting a lot of work done there. Oh yeah, real totally. smart people. <laughs> I told you, I told you they're smart. Uh, we, go to, we we go to the to really good food places and watch the oh, World okay, Cup. I think that I think that's pretty smart. Sure, um, but it's basically soccer with cars that have rocket power uh, boosting abilities, and you can do all sorts of cool stunts. Um, and it's uh, we have two on two, three on three. Uh, four on four, and the idea is to just get in there and play. It's very similar to a soccer game that you'd play, only we go a little extra further and give you rocket-powered cars instead of, <laughs> instead of people. Um, and that's, and that's really what it is. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot of fun. There, I, I will admit that um, it's not a game for everyone, right? The sure. the entire world isn't saying, you know, what we really need is cars with rockets attached to them playing soccer. But those who do like the game, and we have a lot of them. There's over a million and a half uh, downloads of the last game on PS3, which is a lot. Yeah, um, especially for PS3. Uh, they love it, and we still have people playing the game today. We patched the original Battle Cars two weeks ago because people are still playing it six nice. years after it came out uh, because GameSpy shut down, and uh, we ran on their service, and we we know that we have a dedicated audience. We, wasn't, we weren't going to let them not play the game anymore, so we went in there and we built our own network and now they can play the game without GameSpy. And um, that's the sort of dedication that our fans have. And so we want to take that to the current generation and see what they think nice. if, we, if we move to PS4. So let us know if you want it to come to PS4. Every yeah. tweet, comment. Tweet. Facebook comment, yeah, all those yeah. things. Yeah. Or like, just share, say it. Subscribe. No one's going to hear it, but you can just yell say it. it. Yell it in your car right now. <laughs> and uh, I'll also let you know if anyone wants to play it, if you send, a, if you, uh, send us a tweet at... Psionic Studios, or you go to the Rocket League Facebook page, which is Rocket League, um, and you just let you mention on that page, "Hey, Beyond, uh, we'll get you into the close office oh. right now." See anybody who wants to come in, anybody. That's a good deal. There you go. It's a great deal. So yeah. you can check it out and let us know what you think, and hopefully you guys will like it enough to want us to bring it to PS4. And if you do, I guarantee you, we will take the resources necessary and we will put it on the PlayStation 4. 
Awesome. Awesome. There you wow. go. A lot of bold claims from Jeremy Dunham. There you Still go. A bold man. And now I'm out of here. Puts <laughs> 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 the table, <laughs> smash the computer. I like in the middle of your rundown of where you've gone since IGN, mm-hmm. and I, I realized we never really to- said what you did at IGN. Yeah. Like you, you founded Beyond, which is great. That's yep. why you, everybody knows you or whatever. But you worked here seven years. Ten, ten, if you count the play, the Dreamcast when you were <laughs> yeah. freelancing, right? Yeah, yeah. The, so, ten, 99 is when I started as a freelancer on the Dreamcast channel, and then I did some PC work. And then Douglas C. Perry, who was mm. the editor-in-chief way back in the day, hired me to uh, to work on the PlayStation team in 2002. The end of 2001, but I started it in 2002. And uh, I replaced a very popular editor at the time, whose name was Dave Z, Dave Zadurko. Uh, so that was really intimidating at the time to step into such uh, popular shoes. Sure. Um, and I worked with uh, Doug and Dave Smith, who everyone called the Reverend, because he was actually he was he was a Reverend. He had his own. It's very literal. Coffee kick. It was quite literal. Um, but uh, over the years, I eventually uh, ended up running the whole editorial team. I I did uh, what Steve Butts does now, right? Uh, which was oversee the entire editorial team, and uh, I hired you. You did. And I hired Ryan Clements. And uh, Mark Ryan Salee, sort of. I got sort of. I, I was kind of a collaboration with Chris Carl. Yeah. Um, and you co-fathered. You co-fathered. <laughs> yeah, I co-fathered him. Yeah. It was a, it was a sorted night with Chris <laughs> Carl. Um, <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of folks. There are a lot of folks here that are either still here or have worked here and have since moved oh, sure, on. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel like Geddes, Ryan Geddes. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel. Makes me feel like a like it's funny you said uh, daddy's home. It makes me feel like a, 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 it's not necessarily a, a fatherhood, but it's it does feel like a, a maybe a, um, a teacher or a mentorship. Sure. <clears throat> Even though I didn't teach you guys, sh- uh, I almost said it. This you know, I didn't teach you anything. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, it, it feel uh, I feel I'm really proud of, sure. of you guys and oh. and how far you've come. And I remember when both of you started and you learning the ropes and. Uh, you guys have just far exceeded anything I ever did, and anything that we we did as a team before you joined. So I'm I'm very impressed with you guys. And thank you. I'm very proud. Yeah, of thank you. Guys. We owe you You're a welcome. great deal. Yeah, a lot. Uh, well, that. you can make the checks payable <laughs> <laughs> to Psionics. <laughs> to Psionics, my. No, I mean I, I hear you. That's the thing we always talk about, right? Is that there's a legacy here, and I think Colin and I sometimes get lost in the day to day weeds of it. But like looking back, like when I was trying to figure out what episode was your last episode, I was on the train day looking at the wikis, and it's like it goes all the way back to 2007. You're like, oh my. God, and it's so like old. all these weeks. I know, right? Like how old I, I feel now. <laughs> when we, whenever we talk about something like this and coming up on three fifty and four hundred down the road again, it's like wow. It started crazy. before Clements had even started. Yep. He, he we brought him on like the third or fourth yep. episode. Yep, I think right. it was. Yeah, you're the first voice that was ever heard on Podcast Beyond. Oh you're wow! The first I, I apologize. Host. <laughs> I apologize. And you, you, uh, and Podcast Beyond was named by a fan. Right. Remember that yep. we were just like, what do you want to call it? And a fan named it. Yeah. So I, rem- it, I remember those days. In classic IGN style, we never really wrote down his name. <laughs> I, think in, I think in episode one, we're like, hey, some fan did it. Like, it I, think we, I think we remembered his name at the time. <laughs> I hope it was right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, There's some guy out there like, I named it. That was me. You. That was mine. That was He's me. coming for those royalties I eventually. <laughs> also, a podcast beyond fun fact, <clears throat> mm-hmm. all three of us have had cancer. That's so right. So when are we suing this place? <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's, that's the, you know, that was the thing that came to my mind. I wonder if the, our podcast room was above some kind of uranium mine. Sure. 
I don't know what it was, but it was strange. In like oh, a year and a half period, we all got yeah. the we all got something. So it's very weird. Yeah, so me, I was serious early when I said get those checks ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <we're gonna laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> That's right. Another housekeeping item. Yes. Before we get into the, the uh, whole show, of course, this is podcast uh, beyond the internet's number one PlayStation podcast, IGN's PlayStation podcast. We post it as an MP3 every Tuesday, a video every Wednesday. Last week, Colin, mm. we uh, we offhandedly mentioned and bleeped a few curse words. Right. Instead, we're trying it's not very to curse anymore. Because I curse like a sailor. Right. So I love exactly. Yeah, no, so do I. Yeah. Everybody knows that from listening to the show. This is similar to back in the day when we tried to move the podcast yeah. clean and then eventually we're like, whatever, go back to being explicit. We don't that's care. Right. And so now it's one of those, everything is that's old is new again at IGN. Right. But people in the comments and on Twitter, were, like, there's been not like a big split, but some, most people are like, oh, well, I like the cursing. Other people are like, oh, I love that I can listen to it with my kids now in the car, blah, blah, blah. But the main question has been why, as if Colin and I stepped out and decided this was the fact. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if we make it look too fun here. We have bosses, and our bosses said there's a profanity policy, stop cursing so much on podcasts. Yeah. So that's the thing. You're welcome to tweet at us all the time and say, go back to cursing, you suck, and then we just mute you or Colin blocks you and we yeah. never worry about it again. But a heads up <laughs> that we're just, we're, we're the shorter chefs in here. We're making the omelet. Yeah. That's the way we're told to make the omelet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a recipe. <laughs> yeah. It really is what's old is new again because I remember having this exact same conversation with yeah. Hillary Goldstein in, uh, in 2007 when he was doing Three Red Lights, and he's like, "Why can't why why can't I curse, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> like, well, because because you can't do it. We have an explicit uh, we have explicit lyrics warning you had to put on the the yeah. iTunes. At the, so that's why I at that time was saying, "Don't curse on the right, podcast." Right, right, right. Um, now it's probably just kids are listening. No, it's not even that. Now what the deal is is that the podcast permeates in so many different mutations. You know, in the oh, if, if we were still just on <coughs> iTunes, nobody would care because nobody cares about podcasts. You know what I mean? They don't make money, mm-hmm. so whatever. But the fact that we make the videos and put them up, then we get into this weird thing of like, the videos that get broken out as topics on day by day, they get censored by the video team. The giant beyond I put up, that's the only podcast shared on the PlayStation app is uncensored. Yeah. And I'm sure they're not thrilled about that. Yeah, so. no, that's a good point. If you want to hear us curse and say heinous things, you can listen to us on YouTube. I was going to say, there are, there are plenty of other avenues to hear Colin <laughs> And I curse and talk about horrible, horrible things. Not on ten the seconds pass without me cursing on that show. <laughs> so let's begin the show <laughs> with what is and forever will be in. the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. Yay! <laughs> That's an honor of you, Jeff. Meow, meow, meow. Literally. He worked in the office for a while. I know. I'm sad I missed. I yeah. saw him when I was uh, visiting a couple months ago, but just for a brief second. I tried to get him on to come on Beyond, but he wasn't allowed. He was. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, he I told me well, he, like, he had to clear it with people and uh, like, you know, because he's just in another world. Whatever, whatever it is. It, whatever it is Would you say he was in a different world? Yeah, he was full Ooh, circle. Full circle. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Uh, there are eight <laughs> items on the list. A baker's dozen. I'm, I'm going to start with some distressing news uh, about our friend PlayStation Vita. Uh, number one, according to the friend of the show, Shuhei Yoshida, president of Sony's first-party studios, At you should expect fewer first-party games on Vita moving forward. Oh. Speaking with the website Polygon, Yoshida was asked if the new talking point strategy surrounding Vita, that it's a complementary device for PS4 and has lots of indie games and will support PlayStation Now, means that we should expect fewer AAAs from Sony studios moving forward. He said, uh, quote, I would say yes, that's correct, end quote, <laughs> which is unfortunate, yeah. but obvious. Freedom Wars is coming out soon. Um, I think this week in Japan... Uh, one of the most pre-ordered games in Japan right now. Um, and then it comes out later this year. But yeah, it seems like that's kind of the way it's going. Yeah. When we talked to him at E3, a lot less talk about the power of what the Vita can do by itself and more power of what the Vita can do with the PlayStation Network and the PlayStation 4. Once they get Minecraft, I don't care. 
Fair enough. <laughs> every, every every one of these plane rides, I'm like, God, this would be great to have Minecraft. We were talking about Unit 13 earlier. If you guys liked Unit 13, which you did, which I appreciate, a lot of the design team that was on that game is actually now working for FunBits. So for those of you who liked Unit 13 and like that design, most of the design team is at FunBits Interactive. That's all I'll say for they now. Make good awesome. games they make awesome games. Escape Plan. Yeah. Yep. One of the best games on Vita. Yep. Do you mind if I ask you yeah. a question from John Roberts? I don't mind if you ask it's, me a question from John Roberts. It's a PS4 Vita question, Okay, so it's kind of up this alley. Okay. He says, Dear Beyond Crew, one of my most anticipated games for the PlayStation 4 slash Vita coming out this year is Natural Dr- Doctrine. Mm. However, during E3, I saw absolutely nothing about it. No release date, gameplay footage, or anything of the <clears> sorts. <throat> I thought for sure it would be there due to the fact that it is already out in Japan, so I doubt TGS will have anything about it. Maybe Gamescom? My question is, have any of you had any experience with the game or know anything about how it will play? Being a huge fan of most JRPG slash SRPGs, I cannot wait to see more about it. Also, PS4 is strongly lacking in JRPGs. Yeah, it certainly is. All right, so here's the coin. You didn't know this. There's no way you could have known this. Uh, I'm seeing Natural Doctrine tomorrow. Um, so, uh, uh, NIS is coming to the office, uh, I'm gonna get direct feed on PS4, we're gonna have a video Woo! preview and a written preview of the game. Um, and it was at E3, it was behind closed doors, and I don't know if people at other sites wrote about it. I know we had an appointment with them, um, but I didn't go to that specific appointment. So, I'm seeing Natural Doctrine tomorrow, uh, the game did okay in Japan, it wasn't super well received. That's no good. Um, it's supposed to be very hard, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you think about Tactics Ogre, Final Fantasy Tactics, the games we really like? These games are good, but you, they're not super difficult until later yeah. in the game. Apparently, this game is hard. You know what I mean? So, I'm excited about that. Well, that's part of the Nipponichi legacy, though, because, you know, they, for the longest time, they've been doing strategy RPGs, Makai Kingdom and Diskea and all those other games. So, that's exactly what I would expect from them. And uh, don't don't uh, don't count it not being at TGS, because when I the few times I went to TGS... Um, every time I went there, they had plenty of already released games. Yeah, that is a big part of their it's, usual show because, floor. Because for them, it's a lot like PAX is here, where they have a lot of folks showing up, cosplaying, and, and uh, wanting to check out games that they might not otherwise have played, or they want to show off what they can do in existing games. So it, it could still be there for sure. Cool. Right on. Yeah, so that's just a, that's a funny coincidence. I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have that for you. I'm gonna have that for you as soon as I can. And cancer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> coincidences and cancer. Also, just real quick, since we're talking about RPGs, you know, it's an SRPG. Uh, I also have uh, I have Tales of Exilia too. I have a build of it. We'll get that uh, stuff up for everyone, all the RPG fans soon. And I play Tales of Hearts on Vita at E3, and we'll have more on that as well soon too. I just uh, I'm a little behind right now. You got a lot of stuff to catching do. up, and you know. There's X, Y, and Z on my play right now. I can't, you know. You can't worry about Q. No, 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 no. Yeah. E3 does that to you, though. No, it's, it is. It's, it does. It's horrifying. There's several weeks of catch-up <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. And yeah, I, rem- I remember those days. Good Trying luck. Trying to get back into natural <laughs> rhythm. You. I'll be You're all welcome. Right. My natural doctrine rhythm. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> I thought we were going for one of our pregnant pauses. No, no, no. I love that, though. Yeah, we, we sometimes we just stop talking, and people think that the... The MP3 is broken, but it's not. We'll just go like 10 seconds without saying anything. And, huh. we, and then we get a lot of complaints from people. Number one PlayStation podcast <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> so I, I, that explains a lot. My wife does the same thing to me. and I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that's the explanation. <laughs> Did you fall asleep standing up? <laughs> just thinking. Number two. We've known for a while that Destiny is getting exclusive content on PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, but now we know for how long. that exclu- The exclusive content is officially timed, and according to Amazon, the weapons, maps, and ships that PS3 and PS4 owners will have exclusive access to will end no sooner than fall 2015, so it's a year of exclusivity. Mm. Additionally, developer Bungie has released statistics on Destiny's invite-only alpha test, which ran this week, the week and the weekend of E3. 
exclusively on PS4. 6.46 million player games took place during the alpha. God nearly dang. 150 million primary weapon kills and 21.78 million secondary weapon kills occurred during those games. You can see all of the stats uh, on a little story on IGN. People don't love that game. Yeah, they do. And I, like we said last week, very clever of them to... Uh, do it right after you three right get excited. Yeah, because I really feel like the... We talked about this last week. I don't know how you feel about this, Jeremy, but... I feel I don't want to say the response has been tepid to that game, but it just doesn't seem like the five hundred million dollar marketing and development budget is paying off in terms of the hype behind that game. Like Grand Theft Auto had six months worth of everyone can't wait, and I feel like this was mm-hmm. them saying like, "Oh, remember we have this game coming out." You know? How many games really do live up to the hype these days, though? It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. it's harder and harder for games to do that because over the last over the last five years in particular, I think it's become a lot harder for games to reach this godlike status that they used to have with fans uh, for a lot of reasons. I think that game fans are becoming uh, more more jaded and more apprehensive. And I think with the, the expansion of how many free-to-play games there are out there and indie games, that there's just a lot more competition and there's a lot more uh, stuff that people can play. And uh, I think that having that one big uh, golden game to play in three months, four months, however long it's going to be, is less of a big event for them. Um, and now you also, it's really hard to get people to change the games that they're already playing too. And so, you know, look at Call of Duty, right? That's, it's not the biggest game in the, in, the, in the world for no reason. It's because it's building on an audience that has already gotten used to the idea of playing a new one every year like Madden uh, used to be it's still it, Madden still is but um, not like it used to but be but not like it used but to it, be the, you're fu- there's less and less games that are like an event where yes. like the world stops <clears throat> turning for you to go play that exactly. there, there still are that you know your halos or your one of gears of war drops or something but yeah i know what you're saying i mean well, back when i started right on ps3 like there were those games that came out and like that was it yep. it was done all you did was that and, and it like, was, now it seems like if if not like oh Bioshock Infinite grab me in the first five minutes I'm over it and somebody you know you move on to whatever else is next whatever digital games come out whatever's happening over there and that's also actually uh, it's funny that you bring up Bioshock Infinite I loved I loved that game in the uh, pre DLC like I thought that game was fantastic yeah but then as I think that one of the things that you're seeing now with so much DLC added to games it can also change the way that games are played mm-hmm. um, and changes the experience and you can actually I think start to remove some of the the interesting aspects of the game the more you add on to it because now it feels more like uh, a, a chore I've already gotten all my achievements or trophies and now oh wait now I have to go back and I have to go- revisit this game I was done playing three months ago and yeah. play it again and you know it's um, you might not like where the story goes Bioshock Infinite is a good example where I really liked the way they tied it up in the, the game proper I wasn't a fan of how it ended at the end of episode two yeah um, and that was a game that my wife and I have treated as an event Right, well, episode two's coming. We're, we're in, so I think that that's put the an, kids to bed. That's, that's exactly what we did. Get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think that that's happening more and more often too. Is that now games aren't released um, in the same way that they used to be either, where you're having a complete full experience, sure, or that the experience changes over time with the DLC. So I think that a lot of those factors influence how people perceive games and and, and play games and. Um, I know that that's happened to us all the time, Borderlands 2 uh, being the exception, because that game, I love it. See, Borderlands 2 was the same for me in the way that I loved Borderlands 2, bought the season pass when I was totally in love with the game, and never went back for any of the DLC, just because I didn't find myself wanting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, I was so happy with the hours and hours and hours I put into it that when it, I came out, I was satisfied by that point. So yeah. they got my money. They did. The, we did. They got the right job. I played over 1,000 hours of Borderlands 2. Good God. So I, I, and the reason I know that is because of Raptor. Yeah. So, but I was I was watching. 
That's uh, that game came out around the time that I got sick. So I had I had uh, about two months of of off time of recovery yeah. time, and so that's all I did when I wasn't. Uh, Doing weird, really weird, morbid things was was playing uh, was uh, was playing Borderlands two, and so I had this sort of sort of emotional emotional connection to that game. Sure, um, but I was impressed with all the DLC and how how well they supported that game. I never felt that it was uh, a, a way where they took away from the overall story, though, because mm-hmm. they re- realized what kind of game. Uh, Borderlands is so they didn't they weren't adding on to the handsome Jack story necessarily they were just adding things to the world which I think is the right way to do a game like that but when you have something like Bioshock another 2K game um, which I also played the hell out of uh, changing the story in episode one and episode two the way that they did sure affected my overall opinion of the game and I think that's a real danger that you have mm-hmm. when you add um, story based content to games after the fact yep agreed here here. Yeah, we're there, there. <laughs> number, number three. We know that Infamous Second Son's standalone DLC, First Light, is coming in August, but it appears that its release date may be more exact than that, Greg. According to the <gasps> PlayStation Store, the game is slated for August 26th. Since the date is a Tuesday, it indicates that this may be more than a placeholder. We've reached out to Sony for comment and haven't yet heard back. Uh, very excited about that. Like uh, Infamous 2's DLC, mm-hmm. uh, you can play this without ever playing or own the actual game itself. Standalone stuff. Yep. If you watch Up at Noon this upcoming Monday, Nate Fox is on to talk about Infamous First Light. But first, Nemo writes in and says, Beyond. 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 Hey guys, Nemo here. I was the guy that sent Colin the screenshot of First Light and LBP3 on the PS Store. I'm TigerNoodle12 on Twitter. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote the story about First Light, but do we have any word on LBP... LBP3 being released at the end of March. P.S. to whoever is in the th- ever-rotating third chair, welcome. We all probably love you, and I hope you brought a Grundle Guard. Thank you. Uh, I have a natural Grundle Guard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mo- most of the guys in the, in the room do. Uh, and uh, uh, I actually pre-ordered I pre-ordered uh, the infamous add-on. Oh, did you? Know? Oh, yeah. I, that was the you first did, thing I, that, I pre-ordered. That's that's the one, the first one that's like the one you can buy and preload. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I did um, it immediately. And thank you. I'll see you again in five years. <laughs> uh, yeah. So LP, he so th- this user sent me a screenshot of that store. You know the store um, listing for right. First Light, and I went on. and I was like, yeah. That, that is indeed true. And then he also did include LBP3, which is listed as March 31st, 2015. Now, that was weird because this is supposed to be a 2014 game. Um, now, that date indicates to us that that's a placeholder. Even though mm-hmm. March 31st, 2015 is a Tuesday, yeah. I still think that that is uh, a coincidence. It's a, it's a Q1, Q2 marker or whatever. But it's still weird that it's not marked as 2014 because it is supposed to be a game really that weird, comes yeah. out this year. So I asked Sony about it. They haven't responded. As, as the guy who used to update, so here's a little little fact. Here comes some, some fun facts. May you, you may remember. I used to update all the release dates on IGN.com when I was here. Every single one. I'd go. I'm sure you guys remember my long Excel sheets. That yeah, it's very meticulous. We're very <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but, but I, um, one thing that uh, a lot of the retailers do is when they're given dates by uh, game companies and when something's coming out, they usually say it's going to be out by our fiscal, the end of our fiscal quarter. Sony's fiscal quarter ends March 31st every year. Mm-hmm. That's why you're seeing it there. Their fiscal, the, the end of their fiscal year is going to be March 31st, 2015, which for them means that it's going to be out within the fiscal year. And they do that as a, as a way to give the retailers a heads up as to when the game is expected, but it's in by, by no means a, a final date. That's probably why it's March 31st. Right. Um, and I would historically, if you look at when Little Big Planet games are released, you probably expect to see it in November. I would, 
yeah. I would guess. Not, not official, obviously. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm though. talking they about. Made a point. No. It seems like they're really far along with it. No, yeah, Sumo's been rumored to have been working on that game for a long time. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be ready, too. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I'm still waiting to hear back from Sony on it just to see if they have a comment on it. But that's why I didn't write about that, because I think that the last or the uh, First Light uh, story is real. And I think that the, uh, in my opinion, and I think that um, the Little Big Planet 3 thing, as Jeremy eloquently put, is probably a placeholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Amazon France, the home of gaming leaks, oh, has oui, oui. leaked something new, a fresh PlayStation 4 bundle. This one revolves around the last of us remastered, <laughs> which is due out in late July. There's new art for the bundle, and Amazon France is well known for its leaks, meaning that this is probably real. However, we haven't heard back from Sony for confirmation. Additionally, Sony has decided to charge $50 for the last of us remastered instead of $60. So if you pre-ordered the game on PSN, you should get your $10 back automatically. Uh, just uh, FYI, because some people were worried about that. And I understand why, because that's a free, you know, it's another game you can buy yeah, for ten dollars, yeah. such as Escape Plan on PS4. Jason, <laughs> Jason, Jason, Jason writes in the podcast. Be honest, is beyond, beyond, beyond. Hey, Greg, Colin, and the ever rotating third chair. <laughs> With The Last of Us PS4 weeks away and GTA 5 PS4 looming this fall, I was wondering if you'd heard anything about a PS3 to PS4 upgrade program similar to what companies did with Assassin's Creed 4, Ghosts, and others this past winter. Um, well, you need the pen? Yeah. So we're talking about The Last of Us specifically? Or like the GTA style? Uh, or he was saying with the saves or with the with the actual... Jason is asking, is there going to be an upgrade program similar to AC4, where if you bought AC4 oh, okay. on PS3, you could then just pay 10 extra dollars and download the PS4 uh, version? No, there's no word on that. I don't think yeah. they're going to do that either. I no. mean, this is... Um, Naughty Dog itself is working on this, so... That's a very valuable team uh, with the valuable time, and I'm sure they're not going to, you know, just let, you know, it's not like they outsource it because right. they care. And they're doing this, I think, in a way to kind of learn the PS4 a little bit better and um, refine their engine for, you know, uh, a thief's end. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, I wouldn't expect that. But they did drop the price, and I think that Those that's Those were that's rare cool. exceptions, right, I feel, because they were this game obviously comes to PS3 a month before mm-hmm. it comes to the PS4. They want to make sure they're still selling PS3 versions, so it was your way to get you through the door. Tomb Raider didn't do it, you know, it was because it, it was the definitive edition. Last of Us is Last of Us Remastered. There's all this different content right. in it. Who knows if GTA will have some kind of complete subtitle to it. But it's not the same thing, even though it kind of is, but it's really not to them because you've already they've already made their money on those other games, so now it's all... Free Moolah form now. Yeah, I mean, I think with Remastered, I think there's going to be a lot of double dipping for sure. But I also think that a lot of people haven't played Last of Us. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I'm one of them. I have not <gasps> played it yet. Oh, wow. What? It's been sitting unopened on my shelf since the day it came out. I bought it. I pre-ordered the game, bought it when it came out, and it's been sitting there. Wow. That's incredible. You should play it. Well, I want think. to. But now I'm now I'm waiting for the, yeah. <laughs> for the remastered version. Yeah, that's the, that's now the conundrum. Now I've pre-ordered the PS4 remastered <laughs> version. I'll wait to play that. And I'll wait for the PS5 version before I finally play it. Number five, Batman Arkham Knight is getting PlayStation 4 exclusive content, and PlayStation.com has outlined exactly what that is. The exclusive missions come under the moniker Scarecrow Nightmare Pack and will involve the use of the Batmobile. Little else is currently known uh, in terms of actual specifics, including whether this exclusive is timed or permanent. As for the release date, Microsoft has listed Arkham Knight for launch on February 24th on its website. February 24th is a Tuesday, <gasps> indicating that this might be more than a placeholder. Again, we have not heard back officially, uh, but that would make some sense. That's kind of similar to what happened with the Order 1886. They're pushing it from... You would presume October, November release date to February. Just right. get a little bit more time, a little more crunch. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. That was one of my favorite demos of the press conference, by the so way, good. was The Order. I'm Very really good. I'm, to that game. I'm more of a believer in The Order now than I was when I first saw it. Yeah. And I like the fact that they focused on the werewolf-type factor mm-hmm. instead of the... I was, you know, At first, you expected it to be a zombie the way they're chewing on the, the body. And I, I don't know. There's just something about that game. I love horror games. I love the atmosphere that they've got going on and, and, and the... 
the eight, the, just I, I love the art style. I'm really intrigued by it, and I'm, I can't wait for that game. That's one of the few games I'm I'm gonna play on day one. When I'm gonna actually open it when I pre-order. It. Sure you are. I'll yeah. be when I see we'll it. See. Uh, Jake writes in and says, "Beyond, beyond, beyond." Dear Greg, Mister Colin Moriarty, in the ever-present. Individual present on the ever-rotating third chair. <laughs> I recently read that according to a leaked release date by Microsoft, Batman Arkham Knight is set to share. I don't know why I said share. Set to share February 24th, 25th release date with The Witcher 3. So he's saying Batman's going up against The Witcher mm. 3. In my opinion, this would be a big mistake because it would split the sales of the less hardcore gamers out there. No, I would probably get one for each console just because I can. Could this happen? And will the hype behind these games hurt both Titans? No, I think if anything it hurts the Witcher, not Batman. One hundred twenty percent. Yeah, Batman yeah. does not fear the Witcher. Batman's no. going to destroy the Witcher. No offense to the Witcher. Witcher yeah, I'm excited about the Witcher three, but I don't think I think those two games are for two different groups of people. I think they're yep. both open world, meaty games, especially Witcher. I think you can go back to the Witcher six months from then and play it if you really don't have time or the money or the means. Yeah, uh, Witcher is a super hardcore game, and Batman is yeah. appeals. to I don't everybody. think those two companies are worried about each other. Yeah, because they're not. It's not like Batman is coming out with. Assassin's Creed or like something like that's kind of similar in a similar vein a little more mainstream um, so you know and it's not like The Witcher 3 is coming out next to Dragon Age you know um, like that would yeah. be a little different yeah yeah yeah. I would I would have a slightly different opinion I do I think that you're right uh, half right and that they're not worried but only Warner Brothers would not be worried if they are coming out the same day I think that The Witcher people would definitely uh, be a little concerned because even though it's different audiences um, it, they would be overshadowed they would sure. be completely overshadowed just from the marketing and 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 so I if I were them and I was in their shoes I would shoot for a date that's not Batman's date sure even though the audiences are different I agree with that a hundred percent but between you mentioned Dragon Age I, the between uh, uh, Inquisition and and uh, The Witcher I I was a lot more impressed by The Witcher I thought yeah, the game looks fantastic and if I had to pick between those two right now I'd pick I'd pick The Witcher me too I just think that it's you know Witcher I think Dragon Age is a more I don't know, cachet with the name, right? Mm-hmm. I think The Witcher 3 is a game right now that we are all excited about because we see those demos. But I think if you asked just people in general, maybe even people like Skyrim but don't really follow IGN or video games, wouldn't yeah. know what The Witcher and why we're so excited about that. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Witcher 3 has a hardcore following that's also going to buy Batman. Batman has a mainstream follower that pro- maybe not won't buy The Witcher. Exactly. And, and you know, the the power of brand names is amazing, right? It's... It's why most of the games that you see every year are sequels and not original games. It's because they know the power of the brand. Yeah. And yeah. With, without it's if you're an original IP that, that's a hardcore game launching against an established, a really established franchise like Batman, you would be shaking in your boots if you're coming out the same day. Yeah. Because you, you are going to get overshadowed. And remember, I remember running editorial teams. Also, what's going to get review priority? Mm-hmm. Batman. What's going to get placement priority? Batman. Because that's what your audience wants to read about, too. Right. So yeah, if I were them, I'd move the date forward or backwards mm. somewhere. Tomorrow. Release it tomorrow. Release there it right go. now. Like the Saturn. Number six. Machine Games, the developer behind Wolfenstein The New Order, has revealed that it's interested in doing a sequel for its well-received single-player shooter, which I'm super excited about. In a discussion with Giant Bomb, the game's creative director admitted that he and his team know what they want to do next if they're allowed to continue with Wolfenstein and that they know what they want to fix from the previous game as well as what they'd want to continue with as far as what they got right. Um, I think that game, in terms of storytelling, was awesome. I think the beginning of that game sucked. And I'm sure that they know that. They like, know the, every because that's like the one critique everyone was, has of that game. I, everyone asks like what what like I gave it a seven point eight. I think I, I would have actually given it a higher score, like an eight, if the intro just wasn't so bad. Like because I can really see people playing that intro and being like Jesus Christ and just like never playing any more of it. Yeah. 
Because it's like it doesn't even put a gun in your hands for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's like, holy, you know, like you're in a plane, you're all stymied. It's like teaching you how to use your knife and all. And it's like, oh, God. But then you get to throw and, but then it's so, But then it's so good. You know what I mean? And that was like, that was the real shame. I'm like, who in testing and mock reviews and stuff, like who said that this was like, they should have like just frankly scrapped that entire intro sequence completely. Yeah. And just started the game from the, you know, I don't want to ruin it, but. Um, when 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 the crap gets real. Yeah. Like, well, you could with like without losing anything sure. from the story. Sure, 100%. Yeah. Uh, did you play the New Order? New Order? No. I've, I haven't played The Last of Us. I yeah, sure. yeah we'll Play The Last I, of Us first. But I, I can't I can speak to that, uh, what you're talking about, though, the, the idea that they're giving you a long tutorial in the beginning before you really get to it. I hate it. I hate that idea in general. It's, um, I think that it's... It's an attempt to try to get larger audiences to play your game, to understand your game, to teach them. Um, but it's a trend that I think needs to die really fast because it's it, all the focus groups that I've ever looked at since I left IGN, and what, even when I was at IGN, all the games that I ever played, uh, I always felt to force tutorials a, a pain in the ass. I, I felt that they weren't helpful in any way, that it was just keeping me from getting to the action. I've always been a fan of tutorials that you can play if you want to, that they're also there. Um, really good game design will is a lot more effective when you're teaching the player how to play without them even realizing that you're teaching mm-hmm. them how to play. Uh, the old the old eight uh, old school Mega Man yeah, games Mega are really good. Of that actually. Yeah. Um, your favorite games ever? Three was three your three, favorite one? Yeah. yeah. Um, see, I remember the <coughs> the like um, steel trap. This one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right, Justin. Thank you. Um, but the. Uh, uh, they they taught you how to play the game without telling you we're teaching you how to play and games have gotten away from that especially the larger publisher games uh, which you know it's an Activision game and um, a lot of the EA games do that and Sony and Microsoft games they get they get this idea that they need to teach the users every little thing and in reality it, it I think turns off a lot of people more than it actually helps them I we we had metrics in offensive combat for example. Um, the free-to-play game that I was playing on, it's nowhere near as big as the games that uh, we were talking about right now. But we did have numbers where we could track user behavior and see what they did. And we lost most people during the tutorial uh, from the time that they installed the game than before we had a tutorial for them to play. And for me, that was very telling and just reaffirmed what I had already thought, and that's that you don't need tutorials in games. They're the, if, if you are going to have them, they should be a supplemental feature, something mm. that's optional. Sure. You put them, you build them in as part of the game, something that's very specific, I think it's going to hurt your game. I don't care how big you are, how small you are, I think it's a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm always fine with just this simple... You get have a gun in your hand. It just quickly says "hold R, hold R and L," like just in the corner, and that's it. Like that's all you need. Like you know how to play. Mm-hmm. Most people are intuitively know how to play a game. Like we've talked about this before. Like you know how to play games, or you don't. And mm-hmm. like you know how to use analog sticks, or you don't. You know how to use triggers, or you don't. And like typically, if you were to play Wolfenstein, you probably understand how the shooter works. And like Jeremy's saying, yep. you just have a little thing in the menu. It just brings you to like a a white room where you can like just shoot shit if you want to and like pr- and work on your moves but I, otherwise yeah i have ch- i have two children and the way that i teach them and that most kids are taught in general is is that if you want them to understand something if you want them if you're t- trying to teach them the language that you speak you just speak to them you don't say i am the, uh, you don't say i'm now going to show you this phone phone <laughs> to say phone say phone what you do is you just say Hand me the telephone. You talk to them conversationally so that they understand they're immersed in the idea of, of what you're teaching them. That's the way people learn. When you're telling people what they can do and can't do in the frame of a video game, you're basically 
cutting off their creativity. You're, you're keeping them from understanding, from, from testing their limits and seeing what they can do and can't do, which I think is part of the magical uh, elements that got us into games in the first place before they were a, hu a huge market. Uh, it was, what can I do, what, what can I not do? And games like Fallout and Elder Scrolls and Grand Theft Auto, they really push those ideas. Go see what you can do. This is your, your uh, playground. Um, and I think that that teaches players to be a lot more creative and they learn a lot more about the game in that way, in a more fun way than uh, through tutorials. Sure, beating them over the head with it, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and the worst is, like, what was so frustrating about Wolfenstein specifically was that it was, like, not... It wouldn't be, like, you know, you, you know, press R to use your knife just here. It'd be like, oh, we, we're losing altitude. Go to the back of the cockpit and cut out all of the packages back there. So they go out the back and, like, mm -hmm. we lose weight or whatever, and then it's like... You're just swinging your knife at everything. And it's like Jesus Christ, yeah. and then it's like, oh, pull this. This guy wants to talk to you. Pull this rod. Press X. To pull. It's like, all right, guys. Like, I'll figure it out. So yeah, that was, I hope that they learn more about that. But that was Machine Games' first uh, game. I think a lot of those guys come from Starbreeze, if I uh, remember correctly. So they already have shooter experience. But mm -hmm. um, I really want them to, to to get another shot. I think they're going I think to get they another will. shot. I totally think uh, they will. Everybody Wolfenstein seems sold really well. I th yeah, I think that was the confusing thing about the game was that a lot of I didn't play it until I had review builds. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were coming back because I think they were playing from the very beginning of the game, being like, "This game is not going to be very good," you know. And like, they and they were wrong because, and I, I love experiences like that where, and I think it surprised a lot of people. It surprised mm -hmm. the readers, it surprised the editors. Um, so you know, I'm stoked about that. Uh, yeah, so good for you, Machine Games. Keep going. <laughs> number seven, <laughs> pat on the back. Uh, Woo! Number seven. In sad news, Subset Games revealed that its smash hit PC game FTL Faster Than Light will not be coming to Vita. <laughs> Uh, the game, which recently was ported to iPad, simply won't work on Vita, according to Justin Ma, co-creator of the game. Uh, quote, we looked into it extensively, and in the end, it just turns out the screen is too small for us. Sorry about that, they tweeted. Uh, I was really hopeful that that game would come to Vita. I think it would be perfect for Vita, but they would have to redo everything. That's, and I don't and think it's probably yeah. worth it for them, because it'll sell 50,000 like copies. I, I, I think FTL's FTL. cool. Uh, I also find it very ironic that it's called Faster Than Light and it has all the turn-based elements to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game was... And there's only a couple guys that made it, right? It was only two or three guys that even worked on that game at all. So, so. They came by for uh, Judgment Day of the Year. That's right. Yeah, they were nominated for Game of the Year. And uh, finally, number eight, uh, just some release dates. Metro Redux finally has a release date. The re-release of Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light, which can be purchased together or individually, will both be available on August 26th in North America and August 29th in Europe. Uh, and by the way, that studio is located... Um, 4A is located in Kiev, Ukraine, um, and there's wow. some going on over there right yeah. now. So, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 oh, sorry. It's yeah. fine. So, no, so I'm really, pr I'm really proud of them and, and impressed that they got the game out at all. Um, so, now, you know, I hope they're all staying safe. Although, you know, Kiev's not in the, in the super danger zone. Uh, and Guacamelee. Super danger zone. And Guacamelee ah, super tip. Super danger I think that's the military term, super danger term. <laughs> uh, and Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition will come to PS4 as well as Xbox One, Xbox 360, and Wii U on July 2nd. You can play the original version right now on PS3 and Vita. It's one of Vita's best games specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it for news. Ooh, oh. Good. That was a good show. <laughs> oh, wait, we're not going to the first segment. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I want to play Minecraft Vita, mm -hmm. but it's not out. We played it at E3 a little bit. I know, I did. I can't wait. That was all I needed. So... Colin, yeah, <laughs> where would I go right now to find out what games came out to you, the things with the stuff? You go to the uh, Andrew Memorial or Andrew Goldfarb Memorial list of upcoming PlayStation software on all three platforms by the IGN editors. Why is it the Memorial? Oh, because he's not. He, yeah, but he's not dead. Well, he he's dead. Us. To us. He's not. Oh, he's okay. dead. <laughs> he's not dead. Dead. No. 
He's but, I, I saw him tweet he... just the other day <laughs> <laughs> from beyond That's the grave. Right. <laughs> I like to think about it though. Like in a year and a half, we'll keep we'll still be doing that, and people will think he's dead. <laughs> like new listeners will be like, "Oh man, it's cool that they honor their friend," with, but then they do the dun dun. Yeah. One person wrote in saying they didn't like it; it wasn't happy enough for them. But they missed the point that he broke our heart, so he doesn't get a happy yeah. song. I I understand. That if we still cursed, I would say something about him. Yeah, uh, you could still say mean things about him. He's coming. He's coming by in July. No, I know. I saw that. Uh, uh, there's a lot of games this week. Yeah. Um, PlayStation Three, uh, Atelier Rona plus uh, the Alchemist of Arlen is out. That's retail and digital. Uh, Grid Autosport is available digitally. Transformers: Rise of the Dark Spark is available retail and digitally. Valiant Hearts: The Great War is available yes. digitally. Oh my god, I can't wait to play. Uh, it. And X Blade uh, Code Embryo is available digitally and retail. Uh, and that game looks pretty cool as well. On PS4, Blue Estate, which looks like a questionable on rail shooter. Is available digitally. <laughs> RBI Baseball 14, which is a questionable digital game, is available digitally. Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark is available retail and digitally. And Valiant Hearts is available digitally. I'm going to download it as soon as it's up. On Vita, Atelier Rorona Plus, The Alchemist of Ireland, is available digitally only. So if you want the retail version, you have to get it on PS3. Uh, Blaze Blue Chrono Phantasma is available retail and digitally. That's already available on PS3. Blaze it came out last Blue. month. End of Serenity is available digitally. This is a PSP game. Oh, this is the upper pretending one? is a Vita game, but it's not a Vita game. It's a PSP game, so no trophies. Don't fall for it. Uh, Farming Simulator 14 is available digitally. Uh, X-Plays Code Embryo is available digital, digitally in retail. And Z-Run, the long-in-development Vita game that I've been writing about for like 18 months or something, is, is available digitally finally. And on PS2. What? PS2 Classic. Shimigami Tensei, yes. Devil Summoner 2, Raidu Kuzanoa versus King Abaddon is available for $10. Good lord. That's it. I recommend games. that game. They've been releasing all the Shimigami Tensei like spinoffs. Those the are last great. Month or so. I'm a big fan of Nocturne. If you guys ever play, have never played Shimigami Tensei Three Nocturne, play that game. That was fantastic. That already came. That came out a few weeks ago, right? Yep. Yeah, I should. I I have not messed with any PS2 classics. Mm. I don't know why. I have a bunch of PS1. Because you've already played. There's like a million <laughs> yeah, games true. to play. That's true. Yeah, that's true. There's so I, much what, stuff now to play. But there was PS1 classics where I like download like you know like Final Fantasy games. What, or, what was ever the story when Jared Petty came in? and He sold me on Suikoden Two. That's but, not out yet. Yeah, what the hell? Where it's is that? Coming. It's coming. It's ESRB rated. It. Oh, Sweet Coden. I love that series. Yeah. Sweet Coden is awesome. Sweet Coden 2 is the best one yeah, that's by what, far. Yeah, yeah Jar- our, 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 um, one of our newest associate editors on Wikis, uh, Wiki Jared Petty, King. gave uh, an impassioned speech about Sweet Coden 2. Um, and uh, I agree. I mean, those those games hold a special place in a lot of PS1 gamer, RP- RPG gamers specifically, hearts, because that is a, an amazing generation of JRPGs as you and I yep. you and I share that passion um, and uh, you know I, I, a, lot of, a lot of people really love those games so the ESRB rated it they wouldn't Konami wouldn't have spent the money if they're not gonna right, to get it rated I'm, right it. I'm sure it's just not the time isn't that. right the time isn't right you don't you don't spend money to get it rated I thought it costs like $5,000 to get your, your game rated I got our, I got our uh, game rated the other day it was free you're people oh. who know people though <laughs> I think that might be true because I think I, I've heard that like the whole that process is here's is, where you is, get is monetary where you pay. There's uh, if you don't follow the rules is where you can start throwing out the bucks. Oh, is it your first one's free and then you start? Yeah, it's like drugs. Mm. Oh wow, okay. Your first, your first, no. your first ratings. Free, no, no, kid. it's 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 that there are certain <laughs> guidelines you have to follow, um, especially if you're you're doing uh, things like media releases and whatnot. Mm. And if you're not following mm. the rules, okay, um, they'll ding you. They'll ding you. And then there is there there are some financial things down the line, but it's not. It's it's not the uh, the idea that here's X amount of dollars and here's our rating. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I can give I, one of the things I know. I'm, I keep interrupting your show, but one of the one of the this things is, it's a conversational podcast. You're allowed to do this. One of the things I've realized <laughs> we didn't bring you on here to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things that uh, getting in the development side, 
of games since I left is really interesting because a lot of the things I thought I knew about how the game development process happened when I was on the media side turned out to be highly incorrect. And I was in charge of things. (laughs) (laughs) And, And on the game development side, a lot, I've noticed a lot of the things that the game development industry in general thinks about the media is also highly incorrect. It's very interesting in just how much each side is unaware of what wow. the other one does in so many ways. Like one of the th- one of the things that uh, comes up most often that uh, bugs me so much, but it happens all the time is um, whenever I meet someone in the development side now, and they you know they ask me what I used to do, and I tell them I used to be in the games press. There, I was like, well, how much did so and so pay you guys to Ugh. review this game? And it is a very common conception. Misconception. Let, yeah. me, let me point that out. Misconception that the games press is corrupt in, amongst developers. I mean, a lot of them just in general believe that that's the way that it works. And even though I'm not in the games media anymore, I always get offended by that because I don't. I can't recall ever working with anyone ever that had even anything close to something that would that would uh, be close to corruption. I mean, yeah. it's. In fact, we went, we bend over backwards to make sure that we're as honest and and sp- sp- uh, true to what the the job entails as possible. Um, and for a lot of folks, though, it's it's an uphill battle in convincing them that that's the yeah. way it is. And um, so I find that really interesting. And in in the the games press site, a lot of the things about uh, things like release dates and how long it takes to develop a game and why certain features make it in and why they don't. A lot of the ideas that I used to have as to why that happened, I was completely wrong. <laughs> completely wrong. And usually, I mean, it really uh, comes uh, a lot of uh, features in games, for instance, uh, when they make it in or when they don't make it in, it's 100% it's time. Mm-hmm. It's, I would say, 99.9%. Every, now, every game doc that I've ever either worked on or consulted on or looked over, always bigger than the actual game you get. Every single time. And they have some really crazy stuff. And the most annoying thing for you as a developer is when you're reading reviews or comments from fans and they're saying, if only it had this and this and this. And you're like, that was in the game. That was in the game. We had it working. Uh, But we couldn't make the time frame. And as a result, it didn't make it in. And then then you get dinged. And it's 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 this kind of it's it's a really interesting thing. I think that one day someone who's far more uh, talented and has a lot more time than I do uh, could do I think a really in depth piece in perceptions versus reality in the video game yeah. market. I, I think it'd be really interesting for people to learn more about the media and the the game the game development side and how a lot of these decisions are made and why they're made. And uh, I think it would be really helpful to open up some eyes. Yeah, that's my public awesome. service announcement for the. No, 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 no. sounds right good. And I, I'll just say real quick. I mean, I agree with you that the, I get frustrated with the charge, like where this, the you know, the some people just think there's corruption and stuff like that. And I can't speak for every other outlet. I mean, I've only worked at IGN. I've worked at you know for IGN as a freelancer since I was eighteen and as editor yeah. since I was twenty two. Um, but I agree. Like, there's nothing, nothing like that ever had. Like, no one's yeah. ever approached me and been like, well. How about this yeah, bag of money? Kid? Yeah, you want this bag of coins? And we're, and and it's like that's never happened. Like I've never had anything untoward like that ever, even remote. Like you said, even remotely happened. And yeah. that's 
it's just frustrating to make people, you know, like understand that because I think that what they don't understand is that the publishers know if they're what their games are going to get typically because yep. they get, have mock reviews and so they have a general idea and they're not always right. Um, but like they know publishers aren't stupid; they don't put all their games out and think they're going to get tens. And then yeah, you know, yeah. they they understand like, they're very studious and very educated and they know, they know their game and they. You know, that's why a lot of people are curious, like, when we don't get a game until it comes out. Well, yeah, typically that's a bad sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that kind of stuff really frustrates me um, as well, especially because this is the example I always use. Like, people always like, the moon landing never happened, right? And uh-huh. I'm like, yes, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's all this evidence. And I'm like, well, the evidence is, is, is you know, that some of that's controversial, sure. But here's the thing you're ignoring, that this, in, this conspiracy involves thousands of people that have never said anything. To anyone ever, yep. like their their families, their friends, it's never you know, and that's the same thing I feel like now. I'm like, so every PR person, every marketing person, every games <laughs> journalist, everyone's in on it, and like you'll just you know, and I'm like, come on, that's yeah. so silly. Like if that kind of stuff happened, just like in sports, um, when the NBA refs were you know colluding with each other to like sure. fix games or in soccer, you see that kind of stuff. Like that kind of stuff breaks, and somebody you know, will so always I, tell someone. It's incredibly hard to keep a secret in this in today's day and age, which yeah, tells exactly. you what that it's not a secret that it doesn't happen. That's exactly right. The 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 two the the two incidents that I remember in the entire history of working at IGN where I had to um, change something weren't corruption based at all. It was editor mistake. So I had to. We pulled a review and we reviewed it. Uh, a sports game, it was, uh, because it was compared. It was a, a simulation sports game, and we reviewed it. The person that reviewed it originally compared it to a traditional sports game as opposed to a text-based uh, simulation game that it was. And it was published early, and uh, it was completely wrong in terms of the approach. And so we, as a team. Meaning I, decided, <laughs> meaning, meaning uh, I, I didn't think that that sh- it should have been published, so I pulled it and we, we reviewed it. That was one instance. It was a, an editor approaching the game, I, I be- believed, um, in an improper way. And the other, uh, the other one, the only other one that I ever pulled was uh, for uh, Stuntman. You guys remember that I one? I remember Stunt- Stuntman. Stuntman Ignition. And the original review, the... Um, person who reviewed it had some kind of pre-existing issue against Stuntman that we weren't aware of and was unhappy to review it to begin with. Mm. And uh, so when they reviewed it, um, we pulled that because he, they went in with the idea that they weren't going to like the game before they reviewed it, which sure. should, you shouldn't do. A big no-no. And so we reviewed <laughs> that again, and that freelancer we didn't use again. Um, so, you know, it was a lesson learned. Those right. are the two worst examples in the entire 10 years that I was at IGN, where I can remember anything even just being out of the ordinary. And neither one of those, I think, are terrible instances. They no, they're, two, on, they they're two, honest, actually. They were two people making mistakes yeah. and us trying to correct them. Yeah. And they had nothing to do with publishers or, or anything else. And I think that, as a whole, other places like GameSpot and um, GamesRadar and, and are exactly the same. Yeah. They, they do... They do what they need to do on a professional level with very, very, very few uh, influences or problems. So, I just want to reassure. <laughs> I no. want to reassure, reassure I, the I, readers, uh, the readers, and listeners, and everyone else out there that uh, what you see is what you get from all these publications. It, they're legit, and um, which is the best thing you can hope for in a press. Yeah, I agree, and I always get frustrated specifically. It's just like you can't you can't force someone to see your integrity, right? You just hope that they understand that you're telling them the truth and. 
the one of the things that always frustrating to me is like, well, there's this game, Game X gets a good review, and Game X has ads all over the site. And it's like, well, first of all, we don't know when ads go up. Sure. Like, sales at IGN and I'm sure these other publications are totally separate. We're on separate sides of the building, literally. Yep. Um, like they do their thing, and we do our thing, and there's no crosstalk between right. you know you don't know like, what's happening like like yeah they're not you know so, so that, many ba- and that always annoys me because they're just looking at that one instance so many exactly, bad games exactly. buy the entire site and then like naughty bear was everywhere when i destroyed that yeah game. exactly and, they, <laughs> and i'm glad exactly. i cursed they, on that and reference they, <laughs> and, they, and they ignore those those specific instances so yeah we, we you know we we know that most people understand like the financial realities like we have a salary we don't get any anything from anyone like we don't get traffic bonuses we don't get you know like anything it is what it is and you get yeah. what you get so yeah. Um, it's always I always like talking about those things because I like to reassure people too because you know there's some skepticism uh, skepticism out there about yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff and um, maybe I'm just not skeptical because I really understand how it works. Yeah, yeah, you've it, been here so long. It's it's also it's it's hard to not take personally because it's it, either because it's it's your reputation and your mm-hmm. integrity being qu- brought into question. Yep. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I totally understand. one other, can I complain about something now? No, of course, please do specifically about IGN. <laughs> Sure. Okay. You so, don't work here. I know. <laughs> I can't but, stop you. <laughs> so one thing I'm curious because uh, I, I never saw I, you guys a while back change your review scales, right? Um, from which I'm it's totally fine within within your rights. But one thing that I've noticed is a lot of the older games uh, that we reviewed, me included, and you guys that had old scores, let's say a 7.0 or 6.5, which meant something different back then, mm-hmm. have been left the same, but their description has been converted to the new meaning. Meaning the context of the review, the score no longer matches what we what mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. at the time. So I'm curious if what uh, what the thinking was behind that curveball. What the thinking was behind that because a lot of a lot of the games where I reviewed, uh, for an example, where I gave it a low seven, which when I reviewed it a low seven meant it was a decent game. Now under your current scale, it means it's a good it game. It's the giant umbrella of good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the same. So a game that. Right. It, it should have, on your current scale, the game that we gave a 7.0 in my time would now be in the sixes for you guys. Why the application to the older games that were reviewed under a different criteria keep the score when they have a new description? I don't even know if I know the answer to that question. I mean, I think, I mean, you figure you're talking about, we went through a couple different changes, right? Like yeah, when I'd, Casey came in, or no, I'm sorry, when Hill came, when Hill was running it, we went to the 20-point scale. Yeah. So it was just, you know, point oh, point oh's or point fives. Yeah. And then when Casey came back in, he thought that eliminated a lot of the ability to compare on a granular basis mm-hmm. and say this is better than this. And so we went back to the points. And when we did that, that's when I think we readjusted how everything fell. And so... Honestly, I mean, again, yeah, I, I'm sure there's blogs up about it, you know what I mean, and articles about the changes and everything else. But, I mean, from my stance, right, it would just be the fact that how many – I think IGN is a very much in-the-moment site. What, what did this – what did Valiant Hearts get? It comes mm-hmm. out today more than – what did Stuntman Ignition get back? You know right. what I mean? It's one of those – those things, they get, wrapped up in, they get wrapped up in 20, top 25 lists or editor, you know, my favorite game of all time and or, you know, the top 100 list for platforms. And I think those in the long run speak more than the reviews, I think. Right. And that would be the only thing. and Because I, I, I guess the, the bigger thing would be – I mean, I'm sure when I don't, I don't even want to start throwing away nib and everything else when we're talking about CMSs and right. But I mean, like, it's all how I, the the process to go back and try to backdate things and make them not switch with everything else switch. I'm sure would yeah. break the site because there's, there's so many thousands of reviews. The easy way to do it would just be do not apply review rating to any yeah, article pa- before X date. Yeah. yeah, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that's way above my pay grade. I don't even. 
you know. But then I think because by doing that though, then we would confuse the five people who go to, ch- to st- check Stuntman Ignition, right? And be like, well, wait a second, this is a seven. It's Why do we keep decent. talking about Stuntman ex- Ignition? <laughs> you gave me one game and I grasped onto it. <laughs> Jeremy Dunham. Yeah. You're the star of the show. Ugh. I have one question from long time <laughs> podcast oh, beyond listener oh, Charlie Gadsden. He brings up an old segment and he says, "Welcome back, welcome back to Beyond, Jeremy." Beyond. Can we please have one Nostradamus prediction for PlayStation in 2014? Wow. This is a long-standing Jeremy Dunham tradition. When you come yeah. on, prognosticate about what he saw coming to the PlayStation future in 2014. What do you see? Wow, that's that's a really uh, broad question. You know, <laughs> the... Um, say that upon. Please say that upon. <laughs> I, I, will, I will point this out, uh, uh, that uh, my no- original Nostradamus prediction back in 2007 was that eventually the PlayStation 3 would outsell the Xbox 360. Nobody believed me. And it took five years. <laughs> <laughs> but it happened. Yeah. And uh, so I just want to point that out. Um, uh, you know, I don't have anything, unfortunately, because of the, the way that I, I work now that I'm on uh, individual games yeah. rather than seeing the industry as a whole, I don't have the same sort of reach that I used to in terms of my predictions and, and the sort of uh, influence I gotta imagine making a game, marketing a game, doing all the stuff a new company you're coming onto. It's yeah. gotta be hard to, at any moment, peek your head up and see what's happening in the rest of the industry while then focusing yes. on getting your game going. But I have to do that because yeah. if I'm going to market our game effectively and understand who we're marketing it to, I need to know what's going on. So you have, there's a bit of a balance there. And so my my prediction is not going to be anything uh, revolutionary or groundbreaking, but it's it's that. The PlayStation 4 will continue, I think, its dominance in terms of the current gen uh, systems. And that's that's a little pet peeve of mine. It's not next gen. It's happening now. Yeah, it's yeah, current it's gen. Um, the old systems are last gen. Uh, that, that it will continue its dominance. I don't think that it will ever be usurped by the Xbox One. Um, I think that it will maintain its lead for the entirety of its life cycle for a number of reasons. I think it has... The stronger first-party uh, titles in sure. general, I think it has. It's it's more uh, inclined to satisfy gamers who are are into playing game systems for the games and not trying to be an all-in-one device. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in general, it it understands the mistakes that it made with the PlayStation Three uh, marketing and the features that it lacked, and are, are, are on top of trying to be the first to in- implement new features. In, into their uh, into their platform. So my prediction, it's a safe one, yeah. but it's that PS4 will continue and win, if that's what we want to call it, um, the hardware wars in this generation. All right. Well, there you go, Charlie Gadsden. Thank you so much for your question. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and or listening to Podcast Beyond episode 348. It's wow. been our pleasure to serve you. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah. 348 weeks of the show. 48. Good Lord. Jeremy Dunham, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having thank me, guys. You. It was really good to see you again. I'm, no, I'm glad to, to be too. here. Everyone, go, to, go, to, go tweet at you. Go yeah. tweet it. So I'm at Dunham Smash. Yeah. Um, the Psionics Studios is our, our Twitter for our game company. And then we also have specific tw- uh, Twitters for Nosgoth. Uh, which is a fun game. If anyone wants to play it, let us. You can sneak that in there too. I'll see if I, <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can get you in. Um, and then uh, also for uh, uh, Rocket League on Facebook. Great, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, IGN.com keeps the mics on. So go there, read the articles, watch the videos, join Prime, download the IGN PlayStation Four app, where you can watch Podcast Beyond every week now without offending your children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep up on Twitter. IGN's IGN Dunham is Dunham Smash. I'm Game Over Greggy. Colin is no taxation. 
every podcast beyond ends in a song in a segment we call Ryan's wrap up. Today comes from Trevor. Trevor says, "Hey, Colin and Greg, diss Jeremy. Nah. <laughs> Nothing there. How could you have known? I have to start off with a beyond. Beyond." Beyond. Love the podcast. One of the few I make time to listen to weekly. My friends are in a local band here in Wintersville, Ohio, called We Must Save the Princess, and I've been trying to help them get their stuff out there. They try to do a lot of positive pop, pop punk. This song is called Belong. Not Beyond, but it sounds like it. Belong. <laughs> and it is about finding your place where you belong. It's got a great message and a great listen. Uh, I think you guys make us feel like we belong each and every week, so thank you. Check out their Bandcamp page at we must save the princess.bandcamp.com. Trevor, we'll gladly play Belong. Here's the thing about this Belong song. Mm. I started calling, I started jamming. I'm like, yeah, it's like newfound glory, right? Mm. And then just out of nowhere, it's like, there's like death metal segments of them just screaming. And it's it's catchy, but I will not be buying the album. <laughs> I was like, I was down to throw money at these people. I was like, whoa, okay. Good thing I listened the rest of the way. But here it is, everybody. Belong. Jeremy, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I love you guys. We love, love you. you. Thanks for coming back. Beyond. Beyond. Beyond.
Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.